Hi everyone, welcome to Four Friends and Some Dice Special Edition Q&A. Yay! Merry Christmas! It's Mine. almost Christmas, almost. almost. Oh. So, we've been doing do this intro? for a year. Happy many holidays that happen yeah. this time mm-hmm. of year too. Yeah, happy Winter holiday ho- season. Happy Yule. That's the one I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. You'll love it. You'll have a good time. Yeah. And also every other holiday that's valid and good in this time. Io Saturnalia. I changed my mind. I was going to also do that one. You Latin nerd. Yeah. Anyways, I'm Sarah. I've been your DM for the past year. I go by Raz on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and I play Ozark. I am Aaron, and for this podcast, I play Gilla. I am Colin, and I am but a vessel for the spirit of the Herald. Who is but a vessel for the spirit of the wizard. Yep, it's a nice spirit sandwich all the way down. You're a little... It's like a Matryoshka doll. Yeah. yeah and in, on the very on the inside, it's just chaos. Oh, dear. <laughs> I have only ever heard them called Russian nesting dolls, which I... Oh, yeah, Matryoshka dolls. That's I'm the probably Russian horribly word. mispronouncing That's the it. Russian word. Matryoshka. All right. Macrame dolls. No! <laughs> God, you know what I is. still think is wild? Cats. I now know what macrame is. It's a little brainy. I didn't know what that was. I thought mm. macrame was kind of like paper mache. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I could see Where it. did you Similar. learn what it was? Was it from? It was from our friend from work. Oh, okay. Who we do brunch with all the time. I thought it was Barbie in the dream house. No, it wasn't Barbie in the dream oh, house. Oh, I got really <clears throat> Okay, we have some questions. Some cues. For you all to answer. Okay, great. Um, I I'm, think we're going to start with questions from our listener, Lindsay. Yeah. Who is very gracious. Thank Who's, you, Lindsay. Lindsay's our best friend. Super so. fan. <laughs> Super fan. You're putting so much pressure on Lindsay right no, now. No, no, no. She does a great job. It's just the way I feel about her. She can feel however she wants about me. That's nice. true. Let's start with, how much did you know about your character's backgrounds before we started playing? And then what changed? Can I go first? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Almost nothing. Um, so when we were talking about this podcast and we were talking about like, oh, like, let's play in D- play D&D, let's do it for a podcast. I was like, okay, I can't play a paladin because I always play paladins. And I was like, you know what? I just want to be a pirate. I want to be a dwarf pirate because that's not something you normally see. And she's bisexual and... Every man she's loved has died, both familial and romantic, and so she's kind of like, maybe I don't need dudes for a while. And so... You wanted to have a big bushy beard. And I wanted to have a big bushy beard. And that was the extent of the characterization that I had given Gilla. And eventually Sarah was like, hey, Aaron, you actually need to like think about your backstory. And so we went and got ramen. And Sarah asked me a lot of really good, deep questions. And... My favorite thing about that interaction overall was that Sarah would ask me something and kind of try and give me like a win in my backstory. And I'd be like, and then that's the cousin who got hanged by the city guard. And I still think about them to the same. She's like, Aaron, stop trying to give yourself the most tragic backstory possible. Literally, anytime Aaron would start saying something, I'd be like, oh, like, this is really cool. Like, let's put a positive spin on it. Give Gilla some good memories. And then they all die. And then Aaron would be like, and that's how Gilla lost her best childhood (laughs) friend to a shark that she murdered. It was so dark and it was so good. Yeah. Oh, Gilla. Who wants to go next? I guess I can go. 
I knew some things about Ozark. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew I wanted to do like a homebrew class, which usually means a broken class. (laughs) So I wanted to work with Sarah a lot to get it to where it was playable and felt more like a fifth edition like class than Mm -hmm. a lot of the homebrew ones do. So I think we've nurtured a lot. We probably can nerf it even more. <laughs> like it's still very overpowered, but it was it was more overpowered than here. I think Sarah's as far as like backstory wise, like I knew obviously Ozark was an orc. I knew when Sarah was talking about like what region um, of the world we'd be in, that like orcs are usually better than seen in better light than most other places in classic D and D, whatever that means. I'm a big fan of rewriting the story to be whatever you want it to be instead of following the arbitrary rules that they give you. <clears throat> so D&D's all about, man. Yeah. Always about improvisation. Mm-hmm. So I need, like, Ozark essentially came from a tribe, probably in the plains. There probably was some sort of backstory with orcs that we hadn't figured out for world-building purposes yet. So I think what changed was probably learning more about his backstory and more about, like, the orcish orcish culture he grew up in and so learning how like things like naming ceremonies and um coming of age like traditions in the orcish culture changed the way ozark like thinks about the world Mm -hmm. i got inspired from my character by a tumblr post and i was like that's a really good idea and it's something to the effect of like if you are a wizard and you live in a world in which wizards live. And wizards have a sort of classical style of dress. And, like, bandits or whatever come upon your group, they're going to shoot you in the face first. Because they know, okay, that guy with the big shield is scary. Or, like, that big burly orc guy with an axe, he's scary. But that little guy with the flamboyant outfit, he can, move, like, manifest boulders with his mind. Or, like, fire from the sky. Or, like, turn us all inside out and laugh on our corpses. That's a ninth level spell. So, um... <laughs> from the book of Something Wild Something original Raz has probably done. So, uh, so the trick there is for if you the more powerful wizard you are, the more low key you dress, or like a, dress like as a merchant, because then people will go, oh, they have money, let's ransom them, as opposed to let's shoot him in the face before he turns us inside out. So I just really like that idea of someone who was a class who pretended to be another class. So that was my big idea. It's like some sort of con artist type of person, illusion style wizard. And then somewhere the idea of like, I don't remember if I'd seen recently something for the the music man. I was in the music man in high school. And so I just thought that'd be a really great idea is if you had someone who heralded uh, someone like the wizard and pretended that they were the wizard and that, oh, I can't do any magic at all, etc. Uh, that that was just a really funny, neat idea. So I had the core concept of who the wizard, or who, well, who the herald and the wizard were slash was. But then uh, Sarah, just like Aaron, um, Sarah and I had a long conversation about where the like the herald would come from in the world and like the gnomes and all that stuff. And unlike Gilla, the herald backstory was just like super duper chill and nice, and like he had a big loving family, and it was just a normal situation. Gilla had a big loving family. They okay, just, a lot they of them did, died. None of them died. They were all <laughs> cool and fine and great. It's just that the herald was like, but I want more. Than this provincial life. Okay, Bell. Because he is in the Beauty and the Beast. Bell, but if Bell went to the Beast Castle and was just like, I'm just gonna take everything you have and you're not gonna notice. Yep, exactly. And then bye. Uh huh, bye bye. 
So, yeah, there was definitely the core was there, but a lot of the other stuff of, like, the relationship with Julia Moongold, or the true identity of the wizard, or or whatever. We still don't know <laughs> all of the wizard's backstory. Characters and still don't Colin know. gives this, like, suspicious things. face anytime he talks about something like this, and I'm just like... I can neither confirm nor deny. <sighs> Um, so a question I had, was there anything in your character backstory that either you have or haven't talked about on the show that you feel like it's important to talk about and you just haven't found a way to that you want to tell the audience about? I mean, the true identity of the wizard is a pretty big deal, but I'm not, yeah, that's, that's not that's the time for that's a yeah. secret. Yeah. That's a good secret. I just want to give you an opportunity to gush about your characters if you okay. wanted to. There's a lot. I've tried to drop more stuff into conversations. I think the one that, like, so this was sort of, I can't ever remember the Holmesian or what, the Watsonian. So, yeah, Watsonian is in-universe, Holmesian is out-of-universe. Okay, so I have, basically, everyone kept being like, hey, Aaron, you're, pay- you're playing a pirate and you're not being tough. You're, like, scared of everything. And I'm like, well, that's because I, as a normal human being, I'm, like, the most lawful good you can get. <laughs> And I'm afraid of consequences. But to sort of justify Gillad not always being as rough and tumble as, like, I could have played her. Sarah and I talked about how, like, no, like, Gillad had a cousin who, like, actually got caught by the city guard once and was, like, hanged as an example of, like, they don't like pirates. And so that's why she's a little more worried. She doesn't have a ship or a crew right now. Yeah, either. so yeah. there's no way to sail it's away. It's a lot easier to commit a crime if you can just run away afterwards. Yeah. Do I have anything about the hero? No, I'm trying to think of what was in It's a very tall cool hat. Mm-hmm. We've discussed some secrets, but I'm sure some characters will come up. I don't remember I don't remember everything that we talked about, but I'm sure you have stuff written down. That, that will come up and I'll I be mean, like, well, that was that guy from the backstory that I talked about with Sarah at dinner once. Julia <laughs> Moongold has made her appearance, so... That's a big one. Ozark has a lot of siblings oh. that aren't talked about very much. And then, like... How many? I can't remember. Eleven, six, or seven. I think we put a number wow. on it in uh, dinner, but I don't remember the exact Yeah, I have all their names written down. <laughs> oh, yeah, we give names to all of them. I made you name them because you all laugh at my names, which <laughs> is the quintessential D&D experience. Yeah. Didn't but... Ozark have a... Jumanji Casca. Interesting parenting setup, too. Yes. Like, kind of all yeah. of us do. Yeah. So, like, a... Much more of a like communal parenting. Villa raises a child. Gil has two dads. Because yeah, it's one of those. I took after the. Sometimes pre- your one dad gets pregnant. Yeah. It's a thing that Gil said to Ozark, and Ozark is still very confused. Look, okay, let's talk about that. No, so I really like and was and read these books because Colin recommended them. They're the but best. I really like Terry Pratchett's Discworld books, and there's a lot of like sexism in the dwarfs in those books where like all of them present as male and it's a really big deal to present as female and there's this one part where one character's like i'm pretty sure even my mom is a woman <laughs> like this idea that like no one wants to identify as this and so like at least one of maybe both of gilla's dads are trans i don't know um but the sort of, like, blasé, like, oh, yeah, sometimes your dad gives birth. It's chill. No no worries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really cool, like, 
Dwarf thing that we talked about that hasn't really come up. It hasn't. But, well, it did when Ozark yeah. was confused, and I was like, here's a but great like, story. Mm-hmm. That's good. a cultural thing we talked about for the world when we were doing some world building together. Another question from Lindsay. Uh, how much influence does DM Sarah have at any retconning? I would like to maybe rephrase this question as... <laughs> How much influence does DM Sarah have? <laughs> um, DM Sarah actually, sometimes doesn't get to DM during her sessions. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot of fun playing, and I think any time we've had to do any retconning was whenever I realized I wasn't doing a good job of setting the scene and communicating what was going on. Um, the great is, darkness pickaxe yeah, incident. Which is something that I've been working on, because this is the first time I've really got to, like, DM a campaign and so like I've done shorter dungeons and stuff but I think this has been a really cool like growing experience for all of us and I've really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and if y'all have any questions you can ask them too okay Um, why did we all pick our classes go I wanted to do something homebrew in this class seemed interesting and hopefully something we can make not so overpowered I had a couple of options. Like, I could have been a bard. Um, I really just wanted to do illusions, because then I also am quite munchkin And so I was like, what is... Well, something I hadn't done before. I, I deliberately made things more difficult for myself, because normally when I'm munchkin I want to have just big, big numbers. Like, what's the most number of dice I can roll? So, like, mm-hmm. evocation or something like that would be sort of traditional, hard numbers. But with illusion, so much of it is storytelling and subjective and, like, does it make sense? Like, okay, yes, you put an illusion of a wall here, but does it make sense for the guard to ignore it? Because they go, there should not be a wall here. Or do they mm-hmm. you know, do they not notice? Etc. So I think that you have a lot of more interesting storytelling opportunities there. As an illusionist, and the best way to get a lot of illusion spells is as a wizard. Why did I play a rogue? Okay. Because that's the only other class you play besides that's, paladin. Because that's there are right. two classes that you play in D and D: lawbreakers right. and lawmakers. Although you did play a druid for a short amount. Of time. Oh, you I did. played a great druid. Manny so was awesome. Mm, Manny was the best. But um, yeah, part of it was rogue was the first class that I'd played, and. I was currently, I'd already play. I was currently playing another campaign where I was a paladin, and I said, "Well, I can't be a paladin again." And everyone around me went, "Are you sure, Aaron? You could still be a paladin." And I went, "Nah." And also, I had looked at the pirate homebrew class, which was a basically an overpowered version of the swashbuckler archetype of rogue, and I was like, "You know what?" I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to be a rogue, take swashbuckler, and take the sailor background. I'm, I'm basically a pirate then. It's mm-hmm. ironic that you don't have a buckler, because that's literally where swashbuckler gets his name. I don't. I have two hands. Two, di- two daggers in my hands is what I want. But, yeah, I even mentioned, I mentioned back in... Um, Back in, like, the preview episodes where we talked about, like, stats and stuff, that, like, I'm the opposite of a munchkin. (laughs) I will sacrifice all of my abilities for the sake of a ridiculously good story. I took Nystool's Magic Aura as a second-level spell. I know nothing about this. It is basically was a big story choice. Plus, I didn't have any damaging spells at the beginning. That's true. No, you were very good at that. I'll give you that. I reined it in. 
But, um, and so I was like, oh, I could have a rapier, but that just doesn't feel like what a dwarf would have. Or what Gilla would have. A dwarf pirate. A dwarf pirate would have. Another dwarf might, but not Gilla. Not Gilla. Which came up in Gilla's letter. Yeah, it did, which was such a heart-wrenching, I Mm. cried. I cried. Yeah, it's a very good story moment, Mm is Gilla's letter. Another question from Lindsay is, did you decide your character alignment beforehand, and how strict do you like to play to your alignment? How does that influence oh. how you play your character? I honestly don't know what my alignment is. I'm assuming chaotic something. I would it's assume. Was it chaotic good? Are you? I neutral? thought you were true neutral, looking out for think, number one. Yeah, I don't think good is in there. I was. I mean, it might be, but the way I've seen the hero played, it we seems could, like at least the pile is over there. The I feel like this sheets. speaks about how we play with alignment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that yeah. it's a good. It's one of the first things I do when I'm making a character is mm-hmm. I do race, class, alignment, and then I make a backstory around it, and then like drop the alignment chart. Yeah, it's. I think alignment is a good thing as long as you're using it as like somewhat of a guide and not the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then your DM tells you that your alignment has changed because you've been really mean. Yes. But like, that's because that was fair. I was mean to literally every NPC that episode. In in the Gygaxian sense, the alignment chart, we just don't do that. Yeah. that like, yeah. literally, like, if you were lawful, like, the f- touch of chaos could, like, hurt you. No. Yeah. And we just, it's... Not even like really. People an ideal are too to fluid for, for yeah. that. Like yeah. just how I can tell you what Ozark's alignment is right now, which is lawful neutral, and it was lawful neutral when he started, and then when I picked between the two kind of paths that my class has, you can either go, um, you can either go chaotic good or lawful good. I think, mm-hmm. um, or it was neutral good. Sorry, neutral good. Can I either go lawful good or chaotic good? And then it. F- so I went lawful good because I went the path of the protector. And then it's currently lawful neutral because of stuff that I said. <laughs> Which, like, to me is not a big oh, dealer. No. I, like, I've played lawful neutral. It was a funny thing to say in the moment. The mm. yeah, you were mean to me. I You're was not very good. Mean. <laughs> yeah, Gilla is chaotic neutral. Which is the exact opposite of my personality. And it's really hard to do that. But I've tried more recently. I'm like, well, let's just go murder someone. No worries. Let's do it. And so... You have a boat now. It's not big enough to have a whole pirate crew inside. I know, but you could just run away on your boat. It's not big enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but anyway. <clears throat> so I'm trying to play more towards that. But I'm I just hate hurting people. And so... Being mean is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who takes the mean option in video games? <laughs> no, and it's been a contention, I think, in some of the sessions where you can hear that, like, Ozark especially try is like can't go along with the con. And not only that, but if he knows about the con, he's going to try to, like, mess it up. That's why you don't tell Ozark things. Yeah. Or we tell Ozark things that are not that real. <laughs> What has been the most surprising thing about recording a D&D podcast? Because we've played together for several years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we sat down to record, like, it felt very different at first to me. Mm. And I think slowly as I've gotten used to recording, like, it's a good different. But what's been most surprising or challenging? Challenging, it's pointing. Pointing versus saying. Because you point, oh, let's go here. This mm-hmm. means nothing. You can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. So trying to articulate out loud in an audio format mm-hmm. what we're physically doing and like remembering constantly to do that. 
is something that I try to make sure we do. I think for me, it's that we, if one of us has to pause, everyone has to pause. Because before when we played, like I think about in me and Colin's old home where we would play, there was a bathroom very, very close mm, to yes, the table. Was. And so you could just go to the bathroom and like kind of hear through and if someone's like, oh, it's like Aaron's turn, I'm in the bathroom, it'd be like, roll for me! Mm-hmm. And like, whatever, it was not a big deal, but like, that's not good podcast audio no. by any means. <laughs> yeah. And so, I think we all are a lot more focused at D&D, like there's no like, goofing off on your phone, or like, mm-hmm. do, going to like, make yourself a snack, or whatever. Um, so I think it's brought a lot more focus to things, and like, made everyone pay more attention and be more involved. Yeah, I think as far as being on the editing side of things, too, like, you realize a lot of the additional noises you just make as a human (coughs) all the time, Mm -hmm. and, like, how when you make those noises, it messes up the audio for someone else, or it's just not good to listen to in audio, and so, like, you naturally try to, like, change your voice or keep from doing those things that you're just used to doing as you talk, um... And then the other thing you notice is, like, how much you're dominating a session or conversation because you have a, like, very real time ticker of being like, wow, like, I really interrupted someone there and they were trying to make a point and we never get back to that. So I think... I'm going to apologize for that right now (laughs) by interrupting. We're going to teach you how to edit so you have to edit some of this audio. Oh, no. (laughs) Then you can notice it. So I think it's maybe a better player, too, because sometimes it's better to, like, listen than to try and get in a joke or get in a... Like, try and take over the story when someone else is, it's their turn to narrate Mm -hmm. and kind of take control of the scene. Yeah, I definitely think it's made me a better player. Because before, I always played chaotic characters, and that was my justification for never taking notes or remembering things. (laughs) You mean like me? And since writing a campaign and, like, trying to keep up with everything and trying to, like, remember who's doing what it's made me like much more appreciative of all the work that whoever's DMing puts into a good campaign and so I think it's made me like a much better much more fun person to play with at the table I also think it's hard like the talking over each other like we're still having to learn that (laughs) and it's hard because a lot of other people will do multiple mics or they're calling in or whatever whereas we're at one table because we are and we have one mic and so it's just one of those like this is our audio mm-hmm. and if it's bad yeah they could it's do some editing fault. tricks if we had separate mics and stuff but yeah, yeah learning to let someone talk i did have that trouble since kindergarten i'm still working <laughs> on it it happens it's called growth this is um, to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> Who's your favorite NPC so far? Ooh. Ooh. I like Pog. All right, I have to go. I need my notes. Are my notes <laughs> uh, your notes are over there in the pile. Left. It's the big, big gold, gold black book. Okay, because I have to, like, literally go back right. through all So the things. audience knows our recording room is actually also our uh, spare bedroom where we let guests stay, mm-hmm. and we just had someone stay today, so everything is out of place. Yep. I like Pog. Definitely there was both good and bad things to Pog, because she, it's one of those, like, chaos is fun. Chaos is also chaotic. That's Pog one thing I really tried to do with Pog, like... She was, I literally wrote when I was making her 
um, at the top of her sheet, it just said, um, like, I think it was just like, her alignment is chaotic, chaotic. <laughs> and she, her flaw is that she has no impulse control. And so if she wants to do something, she just does it. Oh, fuck. I also, like she runs away with people who come to her castle uh-huh. one time and she knows for one day. Yep. Guys, I didn't even think about that <clears throat> yeah. until this moment. Yeah, right Romeo now. and Juliet were together for a week. Um, I also really liked at the very first session the guard who was at the bar in the middle of the day. Day drinking. Oh, yeah, oh, Branson. Branson. I really Drunk Branson. day cop is what I have written beside his name in my notes. I have so much story written for him. <laughs> like, you think I'm joking? I have so Branson. much. If you ever, ever go back to Lyra Bar and collect your rewards. We're going to meet Branson. Branson then. is the reason for Princess. Yeah. Princess Calling, yeah. Princess calling her a princess is Branson's fault. Yep. He's had a big impact. Yeah, there's a lot of like NPCs I remember, like Tessander, who I just called Tess, and then my favorite NPC is Talon. Talon is <laughs> yeah. a very good NPC because his, he, his parents named him Talon, but he's too badass for that, then, so he just renamed himself. Let's not forget Rilaren Shalaren. Oh yeah. Who, oh. The red scarlet Origin- the scarlet sorcerer, yeah. Originally was just Verlaren, right? Mm-hmm. And then you came up with the last name and didn't realize it was literally a rhyme. No, because she rolled on a <coughs> last name table. Yeah. Oh, it was a chance yeah. thing that made yeah. it a rhyming last completely name. And that's why we were really mean about Verlaren. <laughs> Whenever okay, there have been a couple of pivotal moments in this campaign where I've gone, okay, something needs to change. And that was a pivotal moment for me, story-wise. So, we'll get there. I'm very excited. Wait, Rolaren Shalaren was a pivotal moment? Yeah. Oh. Explain. She can't yet. It's story important. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to keep secrets. <laughs> I'm literally just going back through all my notes. And um, Potash was pretty... Oh, Potash. Pretty... Man, I got a lot of money from him. <laughs> Big <laughs> Thanks, Potash. I think also Emma has been a really good, like, addition. I almost feel like Sarah is playing Emma as our, like, fourth person to, like, keep us from dying. Our alchemist. I debated for a long time whether Emma was going to be Julia Moongold or not. (gasps) And I decided (sighs) against it. That would have been so rough. What a twist that would have been. I have a plan for her, by the way. That's for later. Yep. I'm just I'm just letting everybody know. And so I had made Emma thinking that that would be Julia. And whenever it came time to play, I just really, really loved Emma as this, like, quirky persona I had made her. And so I was like, no, Julia's going to be a separate person. And then I made Julia. And I was like, this is going to be the first time I've made a lady NPC who I hate. Like, <laughs> she's terrible. She's awful. Guys, she's so sexy. <laughs> if Gilla had gotten to drink the um, from the puzzle jug and had seen, would have seen a vision of her. She would have seen thigh high boots and waist length blonde hair. Woof! Dang! I look forward to murdering. <laughs> there was a little right? girl in Kill Boss named Jenny. Oh, oh, who wanted to ride the, the roller, roller coaster uh, real good? Geneva Gale. Geneva Gale. 
Yeah, I she do. was great. My and favorite. I just have written down that she's either Anna Green Gables or Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing about this campaign so far, this isn't true, but it, it's a joke, um, is that because Raz is playing a character whose main character trait is writing things down, <laughs> is that Raz writes down all of the important details of this campaign, so I don't convenient. have to. Mm-hmm. He's like the Chidi Adagonye. I am... I am notorious amongst us. I'm for... not going to take the time to teach you ethics. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't listen anyway. My favorite so far is maybe Hector. Oh, uh, the blind oh, yeah, man. Oh, the blind man. infernal guy. He's just He's like 16 flowers. years old and is just so tired. Hector's great. Claw's pretty great. <laughs> Caveman man. Oh, Caveman who goes by... Alucard. Uh-huh. And his only in, only in... Only in... Liar Bar. And his last name when he goes by Alucard is Daventon. Mm-hmm. Alucard D. Get out. Get out. <laughs> well, his middle name was Castlevania, so we should have seen that coming. Castlevania. <laughs> That's middle. in the After Dark episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> his maiden name is Vampire. <laughs> One beer. Okay, so what? what is actually everyone's favorite moment so far? Honestly, I loved the bar fight at the very beginning. Like, there have been funny things since that, but I think that was, like, peak, peak Harold. Oh, with the... With the, like, the beard ghost, and the getting the money from that kid, and then just, like, you guys are fighting and I'm conning. That's been one of my favorite parts. Raz? Uh, I hope this wasn't your favorite story moment, because I'm going to say the letter from Gillis' dad's. Oh, yeah. Like, that moment was probably just the most heart-wrenching moment, mm-hmm. which was like, yeah. You picked good some good music from that. That was really good. Also, they did some really good job of editing out me, like, pretty much crying. It still sounds like it, but I did cry. Actually, my favorite moment is... As soon as we got to Cadenan's castle, and I went, they're getting married. They're, they ran away, and they're getting married. And then we got to have this, like, surprise, beautiful lesbian wedding. Mm. Where, like, we had thought, oh, no, we're going to have to fight a vampire. We're going to have to fight all these people. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the worst. We were in a forest with uh, a dark castle. Werewolves. Werebears. But mm-hmm. instead, it was this, like, beautiful, safe place filled with love and mm-hmm. joy. For now. Oh hey, my gosh. Sarah, if you do anything to Cademan's castle for reject kids, I will smother you. You cannot bury all of the gays in one move. But then they come out because they're zombies. Yeah. But my second favorite, no. well, my other favorite one, was when I manifested the wizard in Pick an Axe. Mm. When we were trying to find the murderer. Or would-be murderer. I thought that was good. My favorite was during the previous recap where Colin called the ceramics are going to find plates and Aaron called it teacups. And I am very excited for you all to find these ceramics. I've just been calling them teacups. I want you to know that I have this deep, 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 deep fear that they are not plates and they are not teacups. But they're just some sort of nasty, nasty ceramic sex toy. Oh, no! <laughs> you must bring back the weapons, the dildos of mass destruction. Yeah! No!
No, that's what I'm afraid of. I think you meant oh, the no. dildos of ass destruction. <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to remove that one before it comes <laughs> We just earned the explicit tag, guys. Good job. Oh, oh, Aren't we already we explicit? We earn it every episode. <laughs> Well, you can select episodes that have it. Yeah. Oh, shouldn't we just every, default to every that? Every episode is checked. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Sarah, what's your favorite moment? You've made us, as players, say... Wait, I thought we already went over Sarah's moment. Or am I bad that was, at that was a That was a kind of a joke. Oh, okay. Teaser for future things of okay. ceramic nature. Um, I, there have been some very good moments. There have been several moments that have just made me stop and rethink the way that I run sessions and rethink the way that I present encounters. And I hope I'm getting better at it, but just trying to like play to y'all's strength while still also having a good time behind the DM screen. There have been a couple of I think my favorite moments are whenever I get to surprise you all with something mm-hmm. and then you freak out and I'm like, see y'all next week or our next episode. Mm. Oh, when you leave us with a really nasty cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel pretty accomplished there. Screw you, Julia Mungo. <laughs> we actually haven't played since Mm-mm. that moment. So we've kind of just been sitting with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Well, do y'all have any other questions? Any other Twitter mentions before we get off? I don't think there are. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah. You're the best. We love and appreciate you. Mm-hmm. If anyone yeah. else listens to this podcast. We love and appreciate you, too. Even if you don't reach out to us. we would love and appreciate you. you more if you talk to and us on name. Twitter. Yeah. Or on via email or whatever. You don't have to talk to us if you don't Contact want to. Contact form on our website. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways to reach out. Yeah, I did yeah. check that today just in case. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's important. Also get excited for Christmas. Yes. So next episode that you will hear will be our Christmas special, which will not be run by me, but Colin will be running it. And we will all be playing random level 12 characters that we've made. It's going to be good. Get ready. It'll be a one-shot spectacular that might come out in two episodes, depending on how long we run. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of days of Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. 12 of them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Bye. 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 Our art was done by Kat Verhoeven. You can find more of Kat's work at verhoo.com. Our music is Village Consort and Kings of Terror by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of Kevin's music at incomptech.com. That's I. N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening.